0: Presented by
2: AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
0: It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road.
3: No repair shop in the world could survive on just labor unless they charged a little more or accelerated the rate or cheated. Cheating's not my style. Never has been. Car doctor. So Honda's one of those companies that thinks that, you know what, their cars never break and they have magic gas because every other vehicle manufacturer says change the fuel filter on a regular basis. You come up to a car company that says, you never what? So in other words, you go to a gas station that says Hondas only? Is that what you're telling me? (laughs) Is that what you have Where do you get
0: that stuff? Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am
3: here to take your calls. At 855 560 And now, here's Ronnie. <laughs> well, here we are again. Look at this. Um, what do we want to talk about this hour? Well, there's a lot to talk about this hour. Uh, down around the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Franklin Gage. Franklin's going to stop by just for a casual chat. Uh, Franklin is the immediate past president, I believe it is, of the Sh- Vintage Chevrolet Club of America. We thought it'd be fun to have a little conversation with Franklin and talk a little bit about, you know, we're into the fall driving season. Summer's behind us now, unfortunately. And uh, a lot of the cruises happen and a lot of the car shows happen. And uh, we thought we'd spend some time with Franklin this weekend and uh, talk to him about what's going on over there at the VCCA. And uh, of course, I'm here to talk to you and solve your car problems at 855 560 9900. And I know the phones are busy, but I want to. Oh, okay, what the heck? Let's open up the phone lines. We'll get going. I got a story I want to tell you later about uh, warranties that has me concerned where the aftermarket is, but right now let's go to Mike in Michigan, 14 Ford Focus. Mike, welcome to the car, doctor, sir. How are you?
1: No, I'm fine.
3: Yes, sir. What's going on?
1: Um, well, I got a 2014 Ford Focus, and uh, for about three years uh, I've been having a problem. Um, the um, It's a hatchback, and uh the latch on the hatchback would pop open, and um, usually it happens um, w- when the weather is warm and if a passenger sits in the passenger's seat. Okay. But it doesn't happen all the time. It just um, And sometimes it would happen if I opened the car door and I sat down in the driver's seat, so it's, it's hard to predict when it's going to happen. And usually it doesn't happen when the weather's cold, though, like in the wintertime. Okay. A- any no. Di- anyway, a- I. What's the I di- What's the diagnosis so far? Who's done what years? to this? What?
3: What's the diagnosis so far? Who's done what to this?
1: Um, I brought it into the dealer and I had them look at it, and they said it is the um, body control module, which is located underneath the glove compartment, and that's why a passenger sitting in the passenger seat might jostle jostle it or kick it with their a foot. Little bit. Or,
3: or kick it with their foot i could see that uh-huh okay
1: and so anyway um they ordered a new control module and but now they're having trouble um reprogramming the module so it's been in there for 2 days and they still haven't figured out how to reprogram it
2: okay so and I'm just
1: waiting for him.
3: So, my questions are this. Was this vehicle ever in an accident?
1: As a matter of fact, it was. Yeah, it was in an accident uh, in July.
3: Okay, but, but the problem has been going on for three years. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, and the problem didn't change in frequency, orientation, uh, parameters of how the problem would happen, you know, it just... It had an accident, but it, it didn't matter. Increase the intensity of how this problem would occur. Correct.
1: It seemed like it was happening more frequently after I got it repaired. Okay, uh, after I got the body repaired.
3: Which 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 part of the car was hit? How was the car repaired?
1: Um, the uh, I, the driver's side, um, mainly the front and back door, got hit by another car.
3: Okay. You know there are not
1: the driver's side, the passenger side, the passenger side.
3: Okay, Uh, you know there are switches in there for the doors that do feed input to the BCM. What made that? Did the dealership explain what made them think it was the BCM?
1: Well, they, you know, I told them that it would happen when somebody sat in the passenger seat. So they tried to replicate it, and they got they got the latch to open by having somebody sit in the passenger seat. And then they, di- I guess they diagnosed a short in the control module, so. Or,
3: or maybe they maybe they tapped the body module and it popped the latch open. Maybe that's a safe assumption. I'm, I'm, um, just, I'm just thinking about how yeah, I would go I about they, it. You know, it's, that's uh-huh. what I would be doing. I would be sitting there and flat palm in the module. Does a shock to the module cause the latch to open? So, okay, so let's talk about they can't get at the program. All right? So, uh-huh. you know, with the old module in there, my first question would be: Are there any fault codes? And again, all right, I, I say this a lot because there's no warning light on on the dashboard. All right that that's, that doesn't correct, mean, that yeah. doesn't mean there aren't any fault codes. There's no light on the dashboard that says BCM on this car. It just doesn't. You know as 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 part uh-huh. of as part of normal diagnosis, you're going to scan it for codes. Does it have any? If it does proceed accordingly, if it doesn't move on to the next step. All right. You know, if, if you, if you know anything about me at, at this point, Mike, like all the rest of the listeners, I always try to diagnose the same way. You know, I'm never trying to jump a step because that's how I get burned. All right. So it would be scan it for codes. Yes or no, no codes. Move on to the next thing. What's the next thing? Duplicate the problem. Okay, great. We can tap the body module. We can make the problem happen. All right, can I talk to the body module? All right? Do I have full capability of, of conversation with the body module? No, okay. well, that tells me something. Yes, okay. then let's go on to the next step. What I'm curious is, and what I'm what the point I'm trying to come to is I'm wondering if you it, with with a, with a proper scan tool, can I talk, meaning can I communicate with that original body module? All right? Now, if I can't, let's just say I can't. Does that mean I have a bad module? What do you think?
1: Um, n- no.
3: Right. Bingo. And the reason is because we talk to that module over a computer network. So maybe I've got network communication faults. You know, I've got a car that's acting like it's haunted. All right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, is it now, by the same token, just for giggles, all right, uh, let's let's really make this basic. One of my diagnostic steps would be to electrically unplug that latch and drive the car. If the latch no longer pops open, then I know it's electrical because there's no rule here that says I happen to hit the pothole right at just the right moment with the person sitting in the passenger seat and the latch pops open because it's a weak latch. And we think it's electric because, well, now I've got a passenger. Maybe it's got nothing to do with that. Right? Mm -hmm. So that being said, that would just be one of the things I would do. But the bigger thing I'm getting to is, let's assume, dangerous word, that it's electrical. That it is driven off the body module. That the body module or the wiring has a problem. You ever look at the diagnostic connector under the dashboard? The one we know is, everybody knows is the OBD2 connector.
1: I don't even
3: know what that is. Okay. Look under your dashboard. There's going to be a trapezoid. It looks like a rectangle, but the sides are at an angle. All right, it's a 16-pin diagnostic connector. That's where you see them plug in their diagnostic tool. Okay? There's okay. there's there's up to 16 different wires there. One's power, one's ground. Actually, two are two or you're going to have two powers, one ground and you're going to also see uh, second ground, and then you're also going to see all these other wires. Gee, what are those other wires for? Well, they're for different things, different scan tool function that the manufacturer wants, but some of those are going to be network communication wires. All right? You ever you ever watch the guy come to the house and fix the Internet? You ever have an Internet problem, and you call up, and they send the guy out, and he, he plugs in a, 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 a tool to the router in the house and he starts reading lights or he starts taking readings well they do the same thing uh, on, they do the same thing on the that. car they do the same thing on the car brother all right so you know one of the things i'd want to know before i went and put a body module in it is can i talk to the body module if i can't talk to the body module and even if i can i want to hook a scope to the communication pins i believe it's going to be 6 and 11 on a 14 focus all right And look to see, do I have a good, clean signal? Two and a half volts up, two and a half volts down. Is it a nice square wave? If it's not, then I may not get fault codes, and I may get erratic operation. I may have a communication fault from a problem with wiring. Does the vehicle have an aftermarket radio in it by chance? No. Okay. Everything in the car is factory, correct? Yeah. Okay. Even the remote start. I don't have a remote start. Okay, that's the right answer. So, um, you know, these are the things they got to look at. All right, it's it's. I don't care. I don't care what it is. I don't care what color it is. I don't care who makes it. I don't care what day of the week it was born on. I just want to go through basics. I want to know can I communicate with the network properly? Good. It's not a network communication fault. Um, that tells me that. And and here's the beauty of this. Okay, let's say let's say Ford's got a bad new body module. All right? A bad new part. Can we agree that that's possible? Yeah. Okay. So how do we know if the wiring leading up to that new part or bad new part is any good? Scoping at the diagnostic connector under the dashboard will tell me that. If I see correct signal, if I see a good square wave, both sides, both pins, and it's proper... I know wiring is good. If I've got a pinched wire somewhere, all right, anywhere that's on that network, I'll see it by looking at it with a scope at that connector. How many phones do you have in your house, Mike? Unless you have a cell phone. Do you have, do you have landline phones in the house?
1: Uh, uh, yeah, I have a landline phone.
3: Okay, how many, how many extensions do you have? How many different phones are there? Two, Three.
1: Just
3: one. Okay. Well, if you're in a house with multiple phones, you ever been in a house with multiple phones and somebody leaves the phone off the hook and the rest of the phones don't work? You ever have that experience? Um no. Okay. We gotta get you out more, brother. All right. But the idea is <laughs> the the idea is that if you're in a house with multiple phones and you leave a phone off the hook, you will pull the network down. None of the phones will work. All right? If you've got okay. a if you've got a pinched wire going to one of those phones, none of those phones will work. That's the simplest form of a network I can give anybody as it relates to an automobile. So what I'm trying to decipher here is is the reason they can't communicate with that module because they've got a problem with wiring, a problem with their component, or a problem in their diagnosis that they missed a step. All right? You feel a little braver, you can oh, go back you can, okay. you can go back and talk to these guys and say, "Hey, did you look at this? Did you look at this? Did you look at that?"
1: Oh, well? I wish I had a pencil and paper I could write down what you,
3: Well, I'll tell you what. What, you're saying what, what right you now. what you can do in a, in about 2 hours, this radio show is this broadcast radio show is going to become a podcast. And if uh-huh. you if, if you've got a computer, you can find somebody that's computer savvy, just go out and Google Ron Anian podcast. And this radio show will automatically become a podcast. This is the second hour. This is around uh, twenty past the top of the hour. They can just you can just download this this portion of the show. You're the first caller of this hour, and um, you can just let them listen to it, and they can gather all their notes and see what they have to say. If they have any questions, tell them to call me. All right, kiddo. Good luck to you. Let me know what happens. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. The car doctor's coming back right after this.
1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather
3: now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus.
3: Hey, you will have fun, fun, fun till daddy takes Fun, fun, fun till daddy.
2: What's more fun than listening to Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now,
3: back to Ron. You know, we're we're always talking about part shortages lately and vehicle shortages and how the industry is affected by the supply chain. I was speaking to someone this morning, and she was telling me about she had just purchased a new Audi. And maybe this is a good thing, right? Maybe there's a, a positive side to this. She just purchased a brand new 23 Audi something or other and it took an extra four weeks to get the vehicle because of changes to the keyless entry system. She no- she now has a metal key. They've gone back to metal keys. Um, there's no remote, you know, keyless entry because they don't have the chips for it, the semiconductor shortage. Uh, so I said, gee, that's not a terrible thing because I kind of think I like a metal key. I think a metal key is a better way to go. It's, it's, it's mechanical. I like something mechanical. It uh, gives you something to hang on to. So just... Uh, You know, some silly things, right? And then I was reading it was the Wall Street Journal. I found the article. Ford Motor Company has delayed deliveries of certain vehicles because it didn't have the blue oval badges that go on them. Another example of how supply chain challenges have hit the automakers. This is in Saturday's Wall Street Journal. The company has run into supply constraints with the brand name badges and the nameplates that specify the model. Both parts are affixed to the vehicle's exterior and important identifiers for the automaker's products. The article then goes on to talk about the different vehicles it's affected. It's affected F-series pickup trucks, among other things. Ford is considering doing 3D printing, uh, which I guess we could get all the executives to stay up late and get a 3D printer in their house. And what are you doing, honey? I'm making badges for cars so we can sell them so we can eat next week. Um, And then it goes on to, of course, talk about the economic side of it. Shares of Ford fell 3.6% to 1231 amid a market sell-off. The stock is down 41% in 2022. Ford, the article then, goes on to say, said on Monday, expects to have about 45%. the 40,000 to 45,000 vehicles in inventory at the end of third quarter that are available to sell because they're finally getting the parts that they need because that's how many have been held up, and that's a fraction of what they're really looking for. So, um, yeah, the parts issue is is, is catastrophic. It really is. Um, just makes me wonder where we're going. And then on the EV front, uh, this into us, uh, thanks to Research Kathy. God, we love her. What would we do without her? Um, she found an article for us out of Stanford, California, that talks about leaving your electric vehicle charging overnight to have it ready in the morning seemed like a good idea. But in reality, research suggests doing so does more harm in the long run. Stanford scientists say that it's more costly to charge your electric car at night and could stress out your local electric grid. Now, I not understand. So we can't charge them during the day because of peak demand. We can't charge them at night because it stresses the grid. Um, are we going to invent a separate time zone as the when we can charge our electric vehicles? Um, you know, what is it going to be, the fifth Tuesday of every month uh, in terms of availability? Good article. It's uh, If you just Google um, charging your electric vehicle at night, you'll find this article. I don't have to read the whole thing. Um, it's, it's 30 pages long to print, so I think uh, five of which are actual content, and the rest is ads, of course. Um, and this time comes to us, and this is sort of like the letter of the week from Dr. Richard out, down in, uh, or from, uh, maybe it's not MD, maybe he's Richard in Maryland. That's what it is. Okay. Uh, Ron Hope, as well, I have a question. With the cost of oil changes going through the roof, a simple change is $120 now where I live for AC Delco Synthetic. I rarely change the oil myself because I have a phobia of being under a car with Chinese equipment. I recently purchased an oil extractor with a lemon roof, almost all the oil from the pan. Now, in reality, does the filter really need to be changed every time? Yes, it does. All right? I mean, what are we doing here? We're trying to cheap out, and I'm going to say it like that, on an oil change. You don't want to do that, Rich. And as a matter of fact, I'm not a fan of extractors. Because I question whether or not, if the vehicle is sat, if you're going to get, is the oil going to be as clean? I'd have to do a series of analysis. Just get under the car, change the oil, take the drain plug out, change the oil, change the filter. Remember, an oil change is not just an oil change, it's also a chance to look things over. So there's a lot of value to an oil change when it's done properly. I vote for a complete change oil and filter. Hey, coming up next, Franklin Gage. Vintage Chevrolet Car Club of America, just for fun. Stick around, some good stuff. I'm Ron Anini and in the Car Doctor. I'll see you in a few.
2: Was like a she was laying there. Her she woke up and took me by the hand. She's gonna love me in
1: my Chevy van. And
3: that's all right with me. Welcome back, listeners. Ron and Annie and The Car Doctor here. You know, this one's just for fun, right? We've we done things here on the show where we're getting technical and we're getting involved and we get down into the nitty-gritty. But I thought it was time to do one just for fun. We're welcoming back Franklin Gage, he is the immediate past president of the VCCA, the Vintage Chevrolet Club of America, and we haven't talked to uh, Franklin in a while, and we thought it would be fun just to kind of kick back and talk a little bit about vintage cars and and the art and the hobby and collecting and things like that. And this time of year, it's always good as we get into the fall season and car shows and well, whatnot. Let me not do the interview by myself. Let me welcome Franklin into the into the into the hood here and uh, welcome aboard, Franklin. We're glad to have you back.
4: Glad to be back. Um,
3: you know. <laughs> It's funny, every, I, I keep reading my copies of G&D Generator and Distributor, the magazine that the Vintage Chevrolet Club of America puts out, and so many interesting things, and the way these companies are producing parts, and, and the technical articles, and all the good that you guys are doing for the Chevrolet brand. Um, Tell us a little bit about the VCCA and just what it's about, membership and, and, and where it's going, because I know you guys are really, you're thriving, I think. You're growing. Every time I read the magazine, there's more and more members involved.
4: Well, like many car clubs, there are more members coming in, but unfortunately, there aren't more coming in than are leaving us. So we have shrunk slightly, but not as much as other clubs and I remain convinced because every time I'm driving one of my vintage Chevys, people give a thumbs up, or it takes me a while to get out of the gas station because they want to come and look. So there's plenty of interest in old Chevys out there.
3: What do you what do you, what do you drive, Franklin? What is what are some of your vintage cars?
4: Well, my oldest uh, Chevrolet is a 1927 Sport Cabriolet. Uh, it's two seats up front and a marble seat in back. And my newest is my daily driver, which is a 2001 Impala. And then in between, I enjoy a 51 Chevy, a 66, 57. There's
3: always a reason why people buy the cars that they buy. Why'd you buy the 51?
4: Well, that was my first collector car. It never even occurred to me to own a collector car. But my mother bought a new one in 1951, and it was our only car for almost 20 years and that's one I grew up with and just on a lark I went to look at one that was advertised in the paper and uh <laughs> to be polite I made an offer which I didn't think would be accepted and it was and before I knew it the car was in my garage
3: and you owned it so when you think about you know car collecting and the hobby because this is a hobby right it's, it's a business to some but it's a hobby it can be so much fun you know, when you look at the car shows and the current people that are coming out to see, are they getting older? Are they getting younger? Do the kids do the kids show up now, or are they are they dropping off? What do you What do you think is going on at the car shows?
4: Well, nothing is a hundred percent, but I I would have to be blind not to say that when you go to many car shows, the average age is older. Um, we're addressing that. We have a brand new program in VCCA. We call it the next gen and for anyone who's 18 to 25 years old, uh, they are entitled to join with full membership benefits, including getting their monthly magazine online and the dues are a whole $5 a year. And we hope that will encourage both those individuals themselves and perhaps parents and grandparents to consider gift memberships.
3: Now do they, do they have to own a vintage Chevrolet to become a member?
4: Absolutely not. Our members are people. They're not cars. And in fact, I I, I can't guarantee anything, but I think if you think you may have an interest in acquiring a car, uh, it's good to join a club because we have classified advertising every month in the magazine. And you also kind of develop a network with other people. And while I can't say that Every car that's acquired through a club member is going to be perfect. I think on balance, you get a more honestly presented car.
3: Right. You know, when, when somebody calls up and says, hey, I found an old Chevy in a garage, uh, you know, the idea of, well, you've got to get it out of the garage, you've got to get it looked at, get it appraised. And I, I think, and there's a lot of value to the VCCA, to the Chevrolet Club of America. But one of the really great things is, and I enjoy reading this in the magazine G&D, that you have these experts that are just, you know, like, you, you've you've got a 57 Chevy guy, you've got a 51 Chevy guy. Um, there's people you can talk to, and what's original and what's not original, and, and they'll explain it. Um, they'll take you through it as a member, and I think that's one of the huge benefits of what you guys are doing. Um,
4: yes, and we also have about 60 regions and chapters around the country, so if you join one of those, uh, you tend to build up acquaintances that'll be felt to you in either finding something that you like or fixing what you have. Right. With all those, with all those cars, Franklin,
3: what does your basement look like? How many spare parts do you have? <laughs> uh,
4: not, a, I, I, I don't think I have an extremely large number of spare parts. Um, I, I was a little extreme about it. I, uh, was in the DC area and I couldn't afford to garage everything there. So I found an empty car dealership in West Virginia and that's where I keep many of the cars. Um,
3: uh, so you're 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 you've you've got a used or a car dealership where you're keeping your cars and and you, and I guess your parts?
4: Yes, it was a nineteen thirties dealership and uh I reserved the service area for my garage and then I went out to a non auto related business the rest of the building.
3: What a great idea. So,
4: well, um, yeah, you have to be a little flexible.
3: Yeah, yeah. Is it is it fixed up like you know the man cave with all the signs and all, or it's just strictly you kept it as the garage? Uh, and,
4: absolutely not. I love to go see those in other people's places, but I don't have the time to do it.
3: Right. You know, managing all that stuff just gets out of hand.
4: I so, am very happy to have a roof and walls.
3: Right. Yeah, I get it. I get it.
4: Hey, tell me real the quick, friendly uh, neighbors uh, uh, <laughs> that that
3: understand. Right. Um, yeah, well, I hope. <laughs> tell me, tell me in our last couple of minutes here, um, where's the VCCA going this fall? What are some of the big shows coming
4: up? Well, we're going to have a uh, booth at uh, the Carlisle Fall Flea Market, uh, September twenty eighth through October first, and that'll be space I one eighteen, and then we'll also be down the road the next week at Hershey, Pennsylvania for the large AACA Hershey meet, and we'll be there October 4th through 6th at Space RWC25. And to keep up with where we're at, we have a website at org as Invented Chevrolet Club of America.
3: Cool. You know, real quick before I go, if somebody out there has a uh, 61 Chevy Impala and they're looking for, you know, that hard to obtain, maybe set of hubcaps or maybe some dash trim or those pieces that they can't find. Looking in G&D in the classifieds or making contacts, that networking that they're going to do with, with people at the shows like Carlisle and Hershey and others that you guys go to, that's where they're going to find those parts, aren't they?
4: Hopefully, um, one of the benefits of membership in our organization, the dues are only $25 a year if you get your monthly magazine online, is that you get six free classified ads per year, and that includes wanted ads. So we have people who are either looking for a car, a particular car, or a part, and they advertise with us, and uh, I'm encouraged that they actually find them. Wow, cool stuff.
3: Franklin, you guys are doing a bang up job. You're keeping a you're keeping an old car brand alive, as I like to think of it, and uh for the generations to come. You know, we don't really own these cars, we're just the caretakers. And uh I you know, I for one really appreciate what it is you guys are doing, so um, and
4: I appreciate your program. I'm an avid listener, and I don't know how you do as well as you do with only phone descriptions of how to fix things.
3: I fix, I fix it in my head. But listen, I, I do get tired. Let's let's tell the listeners. Truth be told, we, you know, we, you and I were trying to connect this past week, and uh, it took us a couple of times because Ron kept forgetting to pick up the phone. But that's a whole nother story for another time, right? <laughs> um, Ron, Ron was running late. I was like, I, I I went to bed the night, and I got up in the morning. I got up at four a.m. Uh, to go to the gym, and I went, I think I forgot to call Franklin last night. Whoops. <laughs> so um, long days, long days. That's what car people go through. So real quick again, Franklin, the uh, website?
4: It's V C C A dot org, as in Vintage Chevrolet Club of America.
3: Cool beans. All right. As always, Franklin, you have a good fall season. Enjoy the car shows, and we'll talk again soon. Be well.
0: You too. Hope to see you down the road.
3: You you never know. Take good care. I'm Ron Anany, the car doctor. We're back right after this. Don't go away.
0: Carefree highway, let me slip away on you. Carefree highway, you've seen better days.
3: The morning Welcome I'll back. We're on the in of the Car Doctor. Thanks for sticking with us this hour. You know, as I'm talking to Franklin Gage, I'm thinking about it. and There's a passion for older cars. You know, there's a passion, I guess, for newer cars. But I think it's the idea that, oh, I've got a new car. You know, older cars do something to us. As a collective, as a society, as a human being, I think it's, you know, did you notice Franklin said, I asked him, why did you buy a 51 Chevy? Because my mom bought one, right? There's that human element. If I asked anybody that calls in, and I should do that one week, I haven't done it in a while, what kind of car did you learn to drive on? And they're going to tell you the story about, oh, I learned to drive on this, you know, 81 Volkswagen. It was my mom's car and my dad took me out on a Sunday afternoon and I hit a bunch of stuff in the supermarket parking lot. We set up carriages to parallel park. I don't think anybody's going to say that about electric cars, about hybrids, about the cars of the future. Number one, the cars park themselves. So there's no challenge, right? You could be asleep in the car will get you where you want it to be. And there's no connection for some reason. And I don't know if that's because we can't, you know, the average person can't work on it. I'm not sure what that's about, but it's 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 sad because it's a piece of society that's going to go away. There's there's that slice of 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 what it's about. You know, I want to talk a little bit about aftermarket parts and specifically um, if you're building a hot rod. And this was kind of disturbing. So Danny, uh, my mechanic, has a, you know, survivor. I call it a survivor. Seventy eight Z twenty eight. It's a it's a yellow car, which is important because it's a yellow manual trans z28 of which they produced i think the number is less than 1600 for the year it's, it's a it's a pretty rare bird and he had to put an engine in it and within oh a couple of miles of driving it uh it wiped out the cam it wiped out the lobe the eccentric lobe for the fuel pump and we got around to taking it apart just recently and we saw that and it wiped out the lobe and Lo and behold, after some research and talking to ComCams, the manufacturer of the cam, it was found that, well, we were supposed to put a bronze fuel pump pushrod in it. Now, nowhere in the literature that they gave us for this did it say, hey, you got to use a bronze pushrod. They told us we had to use a bronze distributor gear, but nobody said anything about a fuel pump pushrod. Their answer was, well, it's in the catalog, but we didn't buy it off the catalog. We bought it online. And why is it, as I said to them, and I have a point here, if you give me a minute, I I said to them, I said, so you're telling me we now have to have a catalog in in order to assemble an engine? What if we don't have a catalog? What if it was parts we bought from the machine shop? We have to count on the machine shop to tell us what we're supposed to use and not use? You know, why didn't you put a label on the box? And they didn't have an answer for that. And the sad part is, you know, it only had, it. the part only had, I think it was a one-year warranty. No, it had a 90-day warranty. We found it out at one years old. Whatever it was, the cam was out of warranty because it's a collectible. It's a collector car. We don't drive it every day. Danny doesn't drive it every day. And by the time he got the engine put together and the rest of the project, enough time had elapsed that it was automatically out of warranty. And I think that's wrong. I think that's wrong on a lot of levels. I think the aftermarket performance parts companies have to look at the fact that a lot of parts you purchase take their time before they're actually used because the vehicles are being assembled. And I think it's unrealistic to say, well, you bought it in January, the warranty ran out in March, and you didn't get the car on the road for a year and a half. I think that's ridiculous. By the same token, I'll be quick, Coker Tire. My friend Jeff had a problem with Coker Tires, went through four sets of tires. Because that's a whole other conversation, a much longer conversation, but they had some problems with the cores that they were building these tires out of, but they were very good about it. They said, we want you happy. We want to make sure that you get what you need. And if you have any problems, just send us back the tires altogether and we'll give you your money back. That's an attitude. Comp cams, that's that's an attitude, but the wrong kind, because they think they're good enough that you don't need to justify your mistakes and uh, be responsible for it. Lack of responsibility leads to everybody's downfall. So got to change your attitude. I'm coming back right after this. Ron and Annie in the car doctor. Don't go away. Welcome back, Ronnie The Car Doctor, and uh, keep in mind the 855-560-9900 phone number. I'll do that again, 855-560-9900. That's 24-7. You can call that number anytime, day or night, leave a message, 855-560-9900. Executive producer Tom Ray will call you back and get you in the queue for the next live broadcast. We are live on the radio network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. East Coast time, and then uh, some of the affiliates take it later on and they play it out over the course of the rest of the weekend, at night, and so forth. So uh, 855-560-9900 is the phone number that will reduce your automotive anxiety. You'll uh, be able to give us a call and talk to us about it. And don't forget our website, Cardoctorshow.com. Just spell it out, Cardoctorshow.com, and we're trying to add more content to that on a weekly basis. I want you to think this week about getting your vehicle ready for fall driving and then winter. Um, I want to be sure that you're all safe out there. I worry about each and every one of you I do because I get these phone calls, and it makes me wonder what's going on Uh, this morning. I was coming back from somewhere, and I guess you got to be coming back from somewhere if you're on the road, right? And uh, uh, somebody had a flat tire, so I decided to play the Lone Ranger, and I pulled over and stopped to help her. It was a woman, and I looked at it, and she didn't have a spare. She had a spare, but it was flat, and the car had been in for service, and they hadn't checked the spare tire, and there was nothing I could do. And um, I kind of gave her that old, you know, well, gee whiz. And as I was getting ready to leave, the cops showed up and they took care of it. But uh, I don't want that to happen to any one of you. So get your car serviced. Get it ready for winter. Think about the spare. Till next week, I'm Ron and the car doctor, reminding each and every one of you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.